Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. The founding father of the entire world of heavy rock. So glad you could join me for another incredible episode. On today's show, I'll be playing you some cool tunes, I'll be talking some rock, and I'll be answering emails and some of your questions. And let's start off with one now from Patrick Hart in Kansas City, who is a really good friend of mine. When I lived in Kansas City, Patrick and I used to go out to dinner all the time. We had some really great conversations, and he's just a really good friend. Not only that, he's an amazing artist. He does these life-size sculptures of uh, people from horror movies, and uh, he does some rock stars. And he makes me really jealous because he'll do a sculpture of, uh, say, Alice Cooper. And the next thing I know, I'm seeing a picture of him and Alice Cooper with the sculpture. But seriously, I'm really happy for him. And uh, he's a good guy. And he has a question. He says, hey, Monty, what's up? Huh, well, good question, Patrick. You know, I was doing really well. I've been living here in Colorado for the last few months. Uh, I've been exercising, and I was feeling really good. And uh, then I went to the doctor. I hadn't been in a while, so I thought I'd get a checkup. And they drew some blood. Uh, They took my blood pressure, all that kind of stuff. And then he put me on a bunch of medicine. And since then, I've uh, just felt like crap. I've just been feeling a little sluggish, a little tired, and, uh, you know, it could be from a lack of sleep. I go to bed around 11 or 12 every night, but then about 5 o'clock, it's still dark, and all hell breaks loose around this apartment. I don't know if you've ever lived near train tracks, but uh, it doesn't matter what time it is. Uh, Those guys will just blast that horn. And I think they do it on purpose. I think they know people are sleeping and they're like, yeah, watch this. Another thing that wakes me up at five in the morning are my girlfriend's dogs. Like I told you on the last episode, Alex has two dogs. And I don't think most people understand this about me, but I'm not much of a pet person. It's like, uh, I'm fine with going to a zoo and looking at the animals. I've just never understood why you'd want to bring them home into your house and live with them. Like, if you've got a cat, they tear up the carpet and the furniture, and you're always having to deal with the cat box, and it's all for an animal who wants nothing to do with you. On the other hand, dogs want your attention all the time, and that can be cool unless it's constantly. And that's pretty much the way Alex's dogs are. And the little one is a Jack Russell, and he literally follows me from room to room all day long and just sits there and stares at me. And when I go to bed at night, I get the feeling that he's still sitting there looking at me, waiting for me to get up. 
And around 5.30 every morning, he decides that I've had enough sleep. And he goes through a routine of noises that begins with a snort. That's followed by a sneeze, which is then followed by an ear flap. I've tried earplugs, but they don't work. I can still hear it. And so I just go ahead and wake up and he begins staring at me for the day. And the other morning, I was getting out of the shower and I almost stepped on him because there he was right by the tub. And later I asked Alex, why does he do that? And she said, I don't think he feels well. And I said back to her, how do you know? He always has the same expression on his face. So anyway, all that to say, I haven't been sleeping well and I don't know what I'm gonna do. Maybe I can build myself a cone of silence or maybe I can buy myself a tanning bed and just sleep in there. But I'm also gonna try and watch my diet, maybe change my eating habits, which is gonna be difficult because while I was at the doctor, uh, you know, they said, here, take these pills, and oh yeah, by the way, don't eat anything. No bread, pasta, potatoes, no sweets, no sugar, no salt, nothing. If you like it, don't eat it. If it tastes good, don't eat it. Just watch a cooking show on TV and dream. Good luck with that. Okay, well, let's see. What else? Uh, Well, one of the things that I love to do is go to Major League Baseball games. And Alex and I love to go to the Colorado Rockies games. And uh, we go to about one or two a month. And the last one that we had tickets for was a game against the Dodgers. And it was on a Friday night. And when I bought the tickets, I didn't realize that my video show, Art That Rocks, was going to premiere on heavymetaltelevision.com that same night. But never fear, because we had our phones. And at 8 p.m., we just went to heavymetaltelevision.com and we watched the whole show right there from our seats. So what I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't matter where you are. If you're at home on your computer or if you're at a ball game with your phone. If it's 8 p.m. on a Friday night, you can go to Heavy Metal Television and uh, watch me paint rock stars and tell stories. And right now it's playing every other week. Uh, Check your guide. But I'm cranking out the episodes as fast as I can. A lot of work goes into them. I literally have to do entire paintings uh, before I can even edit them together. But they're turning out really cool. I'm trying to make each episode a little bit longer, a little bit better. And I'm getting some really good feedback. And I know she's biased, but the other day I was showing Alex one of the upcoming shows. And after she watched it, she said, you know, I don't think there's anything else like this uh, anywhere. I mean, there's people on YouTube uh, showing you how to paint happy little trees and stuff like that. But I'm making paintings of rock stars while I tell stories about the music industry, about concerts I've been to, I'm going to tell road stories, and uh, it's all going to be from a musician's point of view. I've done videos on uh, Rob Halford and Judas Priest. I'm working on one of Lemmy, and I also did one on Axl Rose and how he affected my career. But I try to make all of them fun, and uh, I'm kind of off the wall anyway, so I throw in a little humor every now and then. And I think you'll like it. Uh, Once again, it's Art That Rocks on HeavyMetalTelevision.com or .net. They both work. 
It's every other Friday at 8 p.m. no matter where you are. Don't worry about the time zone. It's just 8 p.m. And do me a favor and tell all your friends. They need to know one way or another. All right, I'm going to answer some more questions. Uh, Here's one from Chris in Baltimore. And Chris says, I'm really enjoying seeing your posts on Facebook about your new start and your new lady friend. I was just thinking it would be really cool to hear you tell the story about how you guys met. Okay, Chris. Well, the first time I ever saw Alex, I'm going to say it was like 86 or 87. I went to a club in Houston to see Andy Taylor from Duran Duran. He was their guitar player and he was doing a solo thing and uh, it was pretty rocking. I think Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols played on his album and was in the videos. And so I thought, hey, I'm going to go check this out. And so I got there early, and uh, the opening act was this all-girl band called The Cosmetics. And they were kind of a new wave pop-punk type thing. And I watched them, and I liked them. Uh, They were really cute and had really catchy songs. And I found out later that the cute drummer was named Alex, and uh, she was really nice. And she also worked at the drum keyboard shop there in Houston, and I'd run into her there, and it shows every now and then. Unfortunately, that was the only time I ever got to see the cosmetics, but I never forgot them because, uh, like I said, they had really good songs. And here's one of them from back in the 80s, Alex on Drums. It's called Where Are the Men?
so I knew about Alex back then. I knew she was a drummer and she also sang with him. And she tells me now that she saw me back then playing with The Awful Truth, which was my band before Galactic Cowboys. But we were both married at the time to other people, so we were just casual friends who kind of knew of each other. Well, when Alan Doss and I quit The Awful Truth, David Von Olerking needed somebody to replace us. Well, lo and behold, he got Alex to play drums and her husband at the time to play bass. And he changed the name to In the Garden and I went to see him. And once again, I thought, man, that drummer is really cute and really cool. Now, In the Garden never did get signed, but they did do some recording in the studio. And here's their version of The Circle with Alex on drums. We did that song when I was in The Awful Truth, and I'll tell you right now, that song is not easy to play. I had my differences with David Olerking in the past, but there is no denying that guy is a really good musician. And you've got to have some chops to play with him, and I was really impressed that Alex was able to pull this off. So that was in the garden, and that was in the 90s. And one day I ran into Alex and her husband at a music store. And they both just looked so depressed and frustrated. And they were like, Monty, we're quitting in the garden. We're done. In fact, we're selling all of our equipment and moving. And I was like, wow, well, I understand. And that was the last time I saw Alex for years. And we reconnected briefly about 12 years ago on Facebook, but then we lost contact again, and I thought I'd probably never see her again. But earlier this year, I'm single again, I'm living by myself, and one night out of nowhere, I get a message from Alex. And we start talking, and I say, how's it going? And she says, I'm single. And I said, you're single, I'm single. And after that, we just talked every day. 
and we discovered we're so much alike and we've got so much in common. And every time I did talk to her, I just felt really good. And I kept telling my friends, I'm like, you know, Alex is just the sweetest person I've ever met. So in April, I said, hey, Alex, uh, would you mind if I came out to Colorado and saw you for like a week? And she said, yeah, that'd be great. And so I went and uh, instead of staying a week, I stayed the entire month. And things went so well that uh, when I went back to Kansas City, she went with me. And when I got back to that apartment, it just didn't feel like home anymore. And so I said, you know, uh, why don't I just go ahead and move? And the next day we went and got a U-Haul, we loaded it up, and a couple of days later I was living in Colorado. And I have not regretted it once. I love it here, I love her, and uh, she's just my best friend. And a couple of weeks ago we went and bought her a set of drums and she's going to start practicing and playing again and who knows what will happen. But no matter what happens, I'm sure it's going to be fun. So that's the story of how we met, and I hope that answers your question, Chris in Baltimore. That's a hell of a story. Now, speaking of the awful truth, uh, I haven't talked a lot about that in the past because, honestly, I've got a lot of bad memories from that time, but it actually wasn't all bad. I did gain a lot of experience about playing live, about uh, being in the studio, and it was actually a good foundation. I was only in that band for about a year, although it seems like it was a lot longer, because we just played somewhere every week. We played at this place called the Axiom every Wednesday night. It was kind of a punk bar, and there was usually uh, nobody there. And we'd just be playing for a couple of people, so it was more like a practice. And we played this other place there in Houston called Blythe Spirits, and it was upstairs of an old house. And I remember trying to drag my giant cabinets up the stairs in the middle of winter. And that wasn't really fun. And there was also the time we opened for uh, somebody named Jane Seabury or Sibbery, who was this female singer who David liked for some reason. But her music was absolutely nothing like ours. It was real mellow and most of her audience was made up of lesbians. And I'm up there rocking out, and they're just staring at me like, what the hell is this? So most of those Awful Truth gigs were not that great, but uh, I thought of something the other day that we used to do after the shows. David and I would go to this place called Shoney's. It was kind of a Denny's type place, except they had this awesome breakfast bar. And we'd go walking in there about 3 in the morning and uh, just fill our plates just stacked high with bacon. And I'd put a little bit of egg over in the corner, but the rest of the plate was just bacon. And I would eat this mound of bacon and I would go home and go to bed. But I'll never forget how I felt the next morning. I'd get up and it was like my whole body was just oozing radiation. And for the rest of the day, I just felt toxic. And I'd like to say I'd never do that again, but uh, if I were to run on to a Shoney's breakfast slash bacon bar, I totally would. That's not healthy. All right, let's do another question. And I got one here from Matt in St. Louis. And he wanted to know if we get royalties for Galactic Cowboy songs on Spotify. And my answer to Matt is, uh, what are royalties? 
I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, uh, I do know what you're talking about, actually, uh, Matt. I just haven't gotten a lot of those over the years. And as far as Spotify, not a dime. And I'm pretty sure I probably won't. From what I understand, you've got to just get massive amounts of plays on there before you get anything, and uh, I doubt if we'll ever get that many. Not a chance. And strangely enough, I think the most money I've ever made from royalties was uh, from the movie Airheads. We did that joke song, Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful. And for a while there, every time it would play on cable or something like that, uh, you know, I'd get a little bitty check. It usually wasn't much, like 5 to $10, but I was like, hey, I'll take it. And so Airheads actually ended up being kind of a cool thing. Even though we were only in it for about two minutes and you saw the back of my head for two seconds, we also got paid as actors. And a few weeks ago, I got this email from the Screen Actors Guild. And it said, you've got some unclaimed royalties and all we need is your new address. And so I got a hold of them and apparently this money had been just kind of building up over the years. And I finally got a check the other day in the mail and it was for 700 bucks. And so I was really pleased with that and I thought, you know, uh, maybe I'll start getting checks on a regular basis. And sure enough, a couple days later, I get another check. And I open up the check and I'm not making this up and I shit you not. The amount was for $1.11, but they took taxes out. And the total on the check was 24 cents. And so, in other words, uh, right now, I'm pretty much rolling in dough. There's enormous money in this. All right, I thought I'd do a little Uncle Monty's Listening Corner. It's where I play you some selections from my music library. And a lot of people have told me that I will play stuff on here that uh, they have never heard before, and they end up loving it. And I'm going to start you out with a band called Pure Reason Revolution. They're from England, and the music is just really cool. This is off of an album that they put out in 2020. Check it out.
Great stuff under headphones. I love the male-female vocals that uh, go on there. And the blending of styles is just great. I'm hearing everything from Pink Floyd to Fleetwood Mac to Tool. I just wish I could play you this whole album. But some of the songs are 10 to 13 minutes long. And of course, you'll probably never hear this on the radio, and that's just a shame. But hopefully, you've gotten the idea, and if you like it, uh, go find it. Again, it's Pure Reason Revolution.
Okay, uh, is there anybody out there that has an open mind? Well, I know I do, and I'm about to prove it. This next band is called Mr. Misery, and they play horror rock, and they're from Sweden. And that may not sound like anything you'd want to hear, and at first I wasn't sure myself. But I gave it a chance, and as it turns out, they're really good players, and they've got some really good songs. And here's one called The Ballad of the Headless Horseman. That's terrifying. So are you scared yet? Well, maybe this'll do it. Here's a song called Mr. Hyde.
So what do you think of Mr. Misery? They play horror rock. Say what? It's not horror rock. It's horror rock. Horror rock would be a completely different thing. Anyway, if you didn't like that, maybe you'll like this. It's an album from 2017 by a band called Tooth Grinder. The CD is called Phantom Amour, and it's one of my favorites right now. Here's a song called The Shadow. So the deal is, is I can't stop listening to this album. And one of the reasons is, is that it's so different. And part of it is the production. They mix the falsetto voices in with the metal vocals. And the guitars are almost like fuzzy, and yet uh, they kind of kick ass. So if you're in the mood for something a little different, check out some Tooth Grinder. They rock, but they're also funky, Uh, they're very melodic, and they've also got some great ballads. Alright, time now for a little What's on TV. 
And by the time I'm through with this segment, you're probably going to be saying to yourself, is that all he does? Does he just sit around all day and watch TV? And the answer is yes. I mean, no. The thing is, is most of my viewing is at night around bedtime, but I do occasionally have the TV on during the day while I'm working. And if I do, it's usually a show I can just listen to while I work, like a sports show. However, anymore, those things have gotten harder and harder to watch. So allow me now to go off on sports. You cannot do this! I used to like all those sports talk shows. I liked stuff like Colin Cowherd or First Take on ESPN. But all those shows have turned into complete garbage. Unless you want to hear them talk about Tom Brady or LeBron James, don't bother. And for the last six months since the last football season ended, I swear to God I am not making this up or exaggerating. For the last six months, all they have talked about is Aaron Rodgers. Every day, all day, Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers going to play? Is Aaron Rodgers not going to play? Is he going to sign? Where is he going to play? You know, is he a good fit for the Packers? Is he a good guy or not a good guy? Every day, all day, I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear about Aaron Rodgers anymore. The best quarterback in football is Patrick Mahomes, but they never talk about him because there's no drama. He just goes out and gets it done, and God, I hope it stays that way. Because I'm just about sick of all professional athletes who don't play baseball. Baseball sucks! I still like baseball players because they're not as worried about politics or diversity. There's blacks, whites, Asians, and Hispanics all over the place, and nobody cares. They just go out, play the games, and the next day they do it again. There's not a lot of talk about Black Lives Matter or kneeling or cops or whatever. They're more concerned about hitting home runs and curveballs. The only thing I really hate about Major League Baseball these days is the trade deadline. And for those who don't know what that day is, it happens once a year in the middle of the season when all the bad teams who aren't going to make the playoffs take their best players and trade them to all the good teams who are. And every season you see the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Astros all take the all-stars that you've enjoyed watching on your team for the last several years. Ah! Yeah, it sucks, but I'll still take baseball over the Olympics, which I still have not watched a second of. I actually remember a time when the Olympics was a big deal and I cared. Like, the U.S. basketball team used to be a bunch of college guys representing the country, but now it's just a bunch of NBA prima donnas who act like they kind of hate the country. So I've actually found myself rooting against them. Uh, Is that bad? Like, I didn't see it, but one day France beat them, and I went, (laughs) good. The nerve, the unmitigated goal, the audacity! But I'm probably just a terrible person. I also found myself rooting for Walter White on Breaking Bad. You're evil. I watched the whole series for a second time on Netflix. It's still amazing and one of the best shows I've ever seen on TV ever. 
But I'll have to admit this time, when I got to the final season, I hated everyone on that entire show. It was kind of the way I used to root for the zombies on The Walking Dead. I was just ready for all the characters to go away. I hated the wives, I hated Hank, I hated Jesse, and let's face it, Walter White, uh, he was just kind of a piece of shit. But somehow I still liked him more than I did Hank. But in case you've never seen Breaking Bad, well that last rant uh, meant nothing to you. So I'll just move on to something you will understand, like uh, the new show about Paul McCartney on Hulu. It's called McCartney 321, and it's kind of a documentary, but not really. It's just basically him and Rick Rubin standing at a mixing console, and they're listening to a lot of Beatles songs and talking about them and uh, soloing up different things on the faders. And Paul just gives his thoughts on each song and tells a lot about what happened while they were recording things. And it's just very incredibly interesting. And the thing I thought a lot while I was watching it is that, you know, I've always thought he was an amazing musician, but I'm even more impressed with him now. When he showed some of the things he was playing on guitar and on keyboards and piano, and I heard some of the bass parts he had written, uh, you start to realize what a genius the guy is. Like, some of his bass parts didn't even sound like they should go with what the song was doing, but somehow it just worked when everything was playing. And I just think, my God, uh, they were all so brilliant. But especially him. He's old! So that's a bunch of stuff that I've been watching recently, but the thing I've been watching the most is YouTube. And there are many reasons why I love YouTube. And for that reason, I have compiled a list of things I love about YouTube and the top 10 things that I'm watching on YouTube right now. And my list begins at number 10 with instructional videos. I know nothing about cars or how to fix them, but I've watched mechanics on there showing you how to fix things, and it's actually worked. I also fixed something in my shower one time. I even took apart the carburetor on an old mower, and it actually started working again. And so if I can do it, anybody can do it. But just don't tell my girlfriend, because as far as she knows, I don't know anything about fixing anything. And I'd like to keep it that way. This is very smart. Another thing I love on YouTube is at number nine, I love discovering new bands. I've done this many times. I'm watching a video of a band that I really like, and then YouTube will suggest something that sounds similar, and the next thing you know, I've got a new favorite band. I know people probably do this on Spotify, but I don't have Spotify and I don't care, so I use YouTube. You're not very smart, are you? And number eight, I like watching videos of a comedian named Kyle Dunnigan. I discovered him on the Adam Carolla show and the guy is hilarious. He uses these special effects to make him look like the people that he's impersonating and he just does some great impersonations. And my favorite is probably the one he does of Biden. He portrays him as a senile old guy that doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and therefore it's just totally spot on. You are disrespectful! Now at number seven, if you like sports and you're sick to death of ESPN and their politics, 
Do a search for OutKick or Jason Whitlock. Jason is a guy that used to be on ESPN, but he was too conservative for him. And so he's got his own thing going now, and he is not afraid to speak his mind. He'll say things and take on subjects that nobody else will. So I highly suggest that one. I don't want to see that. Number six is the Anthrax documentary series. I'm still not all the way through it, but it's been great. I love those guys. They tell some great stories. And if you like Anthrax, I think you'll like this. Number five is a really cool video series called What's in My Bag. Each episode is about five to ten minutes long. And the premise of the show is that they just follow a band or an artist into a store that sells uh, DVDs, CDs, T-shirts, and vinyl, and all that stuff. And then they interview them and find out what they picked out. And it's just really interesting to see what Henry Rollins or, uh, you know, the guys in Mastodon, uh, you know, see what they like. And I found it really interesting that usually the metal guys aren't picking out metal albums. They're listening to stuff like ELO or Queen. And then there was somebody like Scott Ian who picked out a Dean Martin variety show on DVD and put it in his bag. And I thought that was funny because, yeah, I remember the Dean Martin show. I watched it when I was a kid and he was always smoking and usually drunk. And of course, my parents didn't want me listening to rock and roll, but they were fine with us watching that. Of course. Number four is something I've talked about before. It's Ed Bassmaster. It's a hidden camera type show where this uh, comedian goes around pranking people, and it's quite funny. And I watch that a lot, but uh, I watch even more number three, Will Ferrell. They've got all of his skits from the old Saturday Night Live shows on YouTube. And they're still hilarious, and it reminds me of how good Saturday Night Live used to be. But I love just about everything Will Ferrell does. <laughs> no. Now, at number two, one of the things I love to do when I watch YouTube is watch concerts. I haven't been to a concert in a long time, but I got Roku on the big TV, and I'll put YouTube on there, and I'll find me one of those multi-camera festival shows, and they look good, and they usually sound great. And I'll find myself sometimes watching bands that uh, I'm not even sure I still like. For instance, the other day I watched a whole Uriah Heap concert from like 2017. And they're just these old geezers that look like they're about 75 or 80. But I remember listening to them when I was in high school and I'm like, yeah, this rocks. And I think Mick Box is probably the only guy that's still in that band from the original. But uh, hey, uh, I liked it. Uriah Heap is awesome. I don't think so. But that would bring me to number one. And uh, the thing that I like the most about YouTube is that everything is on there. I mean, pretty much anything you can think of, uh, it's on there. And anymore, when I'm trying to explain to someone about something that happened back in the 70s, like an old TV show or, uh, you know, a commercial, Instead of describing it to them, I'll just go, hey, uh, let's go find it on YouTube. Absolute genius! So there you go. That's some of the stuff I do in my spare time when I'm not working or making podcasts. 
And speaking of working, I am a full-time artist now. And if you'd like to hire me to do a painting for you, just drop me a line. Or you can buy stuff off of my website, montycalvinart.com. I've got all kinds of rock star paintings on there, and they make great gifts. And for those of you who think you can't afford to buy one of my paintings, well, drop me a message. We'll talk about it. Maybe we can work out a payment plan over a few months. Oh, yeah! And once again, don't forget to check out my video show on heavymetaltelevision.com or .net. And the next episode is airing on Friday, August 13th. There will be two segments of me painting Axl Rose while I talk about Guns N' Roses and Galactic Cowboys and the music business and all that stuff. So do not miss that. Now before I go, I wanted to mention I was really sad to hear that Dusty Hill passed away. I'm a longtime ZZ Top fan. I saw them around 1980 and they were just one of the best shows I've ever seen. I saw him a couple of more times after that, but it's just sad that we'll never get to see him play again. So that was a bummer, but I also hated to hear that Joey Jordanson died. He was an incredible drummer. I saw him with Slipknot a couple of times, and he will definitely be missed. After he left Slipknot, he did this project called Vimic, V-I-M-I-C, and they only put out a few songs, and I loved it. And I kept hoping he was going to do more, but uh, apparently I won't get that. But in honor of Joey Jordanson, I will play one of those songs from Vimic, and I hope you like it. But that's going to do it for me for now. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like. Unless it's me. And rock on.